0: have a Bible this morning and you'll read with us. We're going to take a reading from the Gospel of John chapter 8. Gospel of John chapter 8. And it may not be very long this morning. said the preacher every Sunday. Wednesday nights, for those of you that have been here, this will look very familiar to you because this was our text on Wednesday night. We've been going through the Gospel of John and we stopped approximately the end of November and the first seven chapters is what we had gone through. And this past Sunday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, we resumed our Wednesday night services and um, began in chapter 8 and read these first 11 verses, as they comprise a story. And I want to bring before you today, in light of a variety of things that we have heard today, something that, um, as I've sat here and prayed, um, my intent this morning was to preach to you about divorce and what the Bible teaches about divorce. And as I've sat and tried to pray since service has gone the direction that it has, I think um, something in this story illustrates well what I think is important for us to know today. Um, divorce is a topic, and I'm not going to talk about it today, that requires diligent study in the Scriptures. I guess we could say some, there are some technical aspects to what the Bible teaches, and those are important. The Bible lays down principles that regulate human affairs. Human enterprises and institutions. And people can become, in our nation in particular, wishy washy, I guess you would say, and the first sign of emotion dismiss principle. And perhaps in due time, I intend to still preach on divorce because I think it's important that we know what God's word says. However, what is often the case is that as people delve into a subject like this, or like that, they do what these men in John chapter 8 did. And what we would, I think, do this morning if we just headlong proceeded into what I had originally planned. And that is what we lose, that principles are made for people. People. God loves people. Religion has been guilty for millennia of dismissing people for the sake of religiosity, words, principles, And to falsely assert the idea that we can, as these men did, focus so stringently on precept that we entirely lose person. These men that bring this woman, I may read it, I may not, you know the story, I'm I'm pretty certain. These men were eager to condemn a person. Eager to condemn a person. Not only that their judgment might have had negative consequences upon her, upon her family, if she was married, upon her spouse, but they wanted to kill her. And they did it, the Bible reveals to us, with the intent to harm a different person. And so they grabbed their principle, which they misunderstood, and they attempted to harm with their principles. They tempted to what they believed, perhaps, serve God and please God because they were able to cross a T and dot an I and walk home in self-righteousness and think of themselves highly for having carried out some static law that they didn't understand in full. But this morning, if I could impart anything whatsoever, it is that our religion, our practice of our religion, is meant to glorify God through loving Him and people. Now, if the words of these men were correct they caught her guilty in the very act of adultery which they would have been justified before the law of Moses to condemn her. And very often when we look at one another, the first lens through which we view one another, if we're not careful, is the same legalistic lens which these men viewed her. And that is, look at what she has done. She needs to be condemned. Others, knowing that perhaps the crowd, especially the religious crowd, finds comfort in rules and in regulations that require no spiritual discernment, reach for what is inaccurately labeled the lens of love, which in truth is often a lens of pacifism. I have a person in my life that I care about. I want to make sure they feel better. Thus, I will not condemn their action. And so they read this same story and out of this, weasel a principle that somehow reaffirms that the woman did nothing wrong and is okay. And we would be wrong to do that. You sin and so do I. And you may look at some of the problems in my life or you may look at some of the consequences that I suffer and say the man suffers justly what he deserves. And that may be true. But I would put before us today something that these men missed that Jesus perfectly typifies. He saw through a lens of grace being held by a framework of truth. Jesus did not seek maliciously to use the law as an instrument to condemn sinners. But his application of it is always meant for our well-being. I guess in all of what I just said, here's what I'm trying to say about your religion and mine. We're here to help and to love people and to use God's word and everything within us to do that. And if at any point we begin, like these men, to strive for principle in place of loving people, we've misstepped. This morning, look at this scripture with me today verses 1 through 11. We want to read. It says this Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had sat her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And I want to pause there for a moment. I want to bring this before you today. Jesus, in verse 1, it tells us that Jesus went up into the Mount of Olives, a place that he was well familiar, familiar with, a place that he prayed frequently all throughout Scriptures. And as it indicates from the previous chapters that he was going back and forth up into the Mount of Olives, and then during the day he would come, or in the morning, as this says, he would come and he would teach the people... But I want you to notice this morning that there were two kinds of people that entered into the house of God to hear the teachings of Jesus. And what I would encourage this morning is this first group of people that are coming before Jesus. They come early in the morning. They're eager to hear what Jesus might have to say. Now listen, there is, many of us are overcome with a variety of burdens, some of which are begotten by ourselves and some of which are not. But let me advocate to you this morning that if you are burdened and weary, if you are overcome with struggles and pain, begin with the attitude that these people had. They come to Jesus early in the morning because truly he is the only one that can alleviate them of their problems. They need Jesus. He's not a sidebar. He's not a A person that you come to out of convenience when you need something. No, Jesus is the one for whom we need instruction about all things. Desperate instruction about all things. And these people enter into the temple of God early in the morning to hear from Jesus. Many others came to the temple for a variety of reasons. They were perhaps circumcising their son on the eighth day. They were perhaps trying to bring their offering, their uh, sin offering before God for various sins they had committed. Maybe the high priest had come in for a variety of reasons. And there's a lot of reasons why we might serve God, which to the outward world uh, is admirable and applauded. But listen, there is no greater reason to come to the house of God than to hear from Jesus. This morning, my desire always as a minister of the gospel is that you would hear from Jesus and not from me. That one thing might be done throughout the course of this service by someone where you would have absolute certainty that you heard from the throne of God. One of them came, some of them came to hear Jesus. And then what typically happens is what happens here, and that is, Those who came sincerely were interrupted by those who came insincerely. These people came for religiosity. They came to cross the T and dot the I. They came to make an accusation, not against just this woman, but Jesus. I have known people before to come into the house of the Lord as a skeptic. They've been wronged. And they're looking for a reason that what the preacher is telling does not perfectly fit the scenario of their life. And how somehow God is unjust. God is at fault for the things that have befallen me. Sometimes those feelings are organic and natural. We all feel, we all think, we all misunderstand God's purposes. And sometimes they're forced. We won't let it go. God has shown us differently. And yet we cling to what we want to believe, not what God has revealed to us. Here are these people. They interrupt Jesus teaching hungry people about spiritual things for a side issue that is not at the heart Of what God wants in his house. They asked Jesus this question. We noted on Wednesday night. Something that I found. And still find rather profound. Jesus initially ignores these people. Or at least it seems to be the case. He bows to the ground. And he begins to write. In the sand. In the dirt. The people want to know more of the answers to their malicious and ill intended questions. They want to catch Jesus. They want to accuse him. They want to pit him against the law of Moses. They have an ulterior motive, which is not to be in the presence of God Himself and be changed as a product of being in the presence of God. Listen, this morning I am so grateful that when we come into the house of God and are amongst God's kingdom, God's people on earth, we're around people who know him truly, that as a result of being here, many times in my life, I have left the building much differently than what I walked in as a result of what God did through his people, Church is meant to be a place where when we come, we don't leave necessarily altogether the same as what we come in. It is nothing short to say that God intends from time to time in his house to complete a rather profound transformation amongst God's people and before God's people in the hearts and lives of one another. I am grateful this morning. We talked on Wednesday night about Galatians 6.1 and it talked about that whenever brothers overtaken in a fault, ye who are spiritual among you, I'm thankful this morning that we don't have a dead religion as these men portrayed that is obsessed and focused with keeping the jots and tittles of the principles of God's word, but rather that God has built us together as a lively temple comprised of spiritual people, whereby when we come into the spiritual house that God has built and he's placed in it, members in particular. Listen to me this morning. You are here here, at this church, at this time, for a reason that God has set. And it is perhaps intended to have a transformational impact on the people around you. This morning, these men, these first group of people come... Because as is expressed over and over in the gospel message, there was something about Jesus that was causing people to leave him differently. You ever been in a place, you ever heard a preacher, you ever been around a person yesterday? I was texting about this song, I was asking this brother if he had a copy of that song, and He was able to transcribe it for me. He couldn't find a copy of it, but he was able to transcribe and remember all the words, and he sent it to me. And he remarked about the lady who wrote it, Sister Wanda Oliver. He said, man, she changed my life. So at a time I was in church, and I was not steady, and my commitment to God was wavering. And the appeal of things on the outside were wavering. And there was uncomforting things, discomforting things going on in the church. Giving me as a young man a reason to doubt. Giving me a reason to excuse myself from the presence of God's people. He said one Sunday morning she came and she grabbed me by the collar. And she said, what are we singing this morning? He said, to be honest with you, Sister Wander, with everything going on, I, I don't know. I just don't feel like singing this morning. She said, you don't feel like singing this morning. You don't think this morning that Christ is worth worshiping this morning? And he said her words were so piercing to my heart because my eyes were fixed the wrong things that appeared right but that she reset me and she said how about this morning we start off our, our service with the song we sang last week How Great Thou Art and he said it had a profound impact on his worship it did something to transform who God wanted him to be This morning we come into the house of God for a variety of reasons at times. Sometimes that reason is people around us need changed. We need changed. Thus, we need to hear from heaven. Jesus is speaking like no other man. And it's interrupted by something which truly does not matter. I suppose this morning that's how I felt trying to bring a sermon about divorce today. It matters in its right place. But today it doesn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? When people are broken and hurting, when people's lives are falling apart, a year ago, we found that in our very own community, didn't we? On December the 12th, we had terrible tragedy take place. And I told you that next morning. It didn't feel right to come here and worship like nothing happened. It felt like a time to go and be Christ in other people's lives. Hear Jesus. Spiritually, and this is what we tried to indicate on Wednesday night towards the end of our lesson... They came to Jesus and He was a spiritual man. If any man was a spiritual man, Jesus Christ was a spiritual man. He had the Spirit without measure. And they come to Jesus and they ask Him this question, this, re- this question, this situation, riddled with things at the moment which were unimportant. And with an incredible precision, With an incredible wisdom, Jesus all at once silences them without letting the woman off. He, without sin, cast the first stone. One by one they left. He looked at the woman and he said, Has no man condemned thee? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Do you see Jesus holding these two things in his hand? He's got principle. He doesn't say what she was doing was okay. He doesn't pacify her. Neither does he neglect to see the people around him and that woman who has a desperate need. This morning, it's interesting because the last number of weeks I've remarked to Kathleen there's much going on in our congregation whether people realize it or not. There's a lot of spiritual battles. There's a lot of spiritual burdens being bore whether people recognize it or not. In light of what we've heard this morning, here's what I would ask you to do. Help someone. Help someone. There are plenty In this building. That need help. Much of which has not even been mentioned. Help someone. See beyond. All the religious resolutions of reading my Bible more and praying more. All those things are good. Do those things. But in the midst of doing those things. Don't miss the people that God has placed in our lives around us to serve. You might say this. They're getting what they deserve, though. It's the consequences of their own actions. This woman was in that boat, too, you know. And if Satan prompts you and you concede to picking up the lens of legalism through which you'll look at everybody's life, here's what I'll tell you you'll never help anybody. Because in some fashion, you can almost find in every situation, in every person, some justifiable reason why they're suffering and they could change. And maybe part of your love to them is to speak that into their life. I don't know. But this morning, I just don't, I feel the need to close by saying this and we said it one year ago around this time. Go live the gospel this week. Don't just speak it. Live it. Ask God to give you the spiritual insight that Jesus had to this woman and to these people. And give your life in the service of them, to help them. I don't at all mean to imply by tone or words that that's not the desire of your heart. I don't mean that. But as it was told to us this morning, sometimes we're afraid, me being at the top of that list. Let us look to serve whenever people need it. And I pray this morning that we would do that very thing.